0: Hello, welcome to God Day. I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today I want to share about possessing our promised land and uh, give you the keys, really, for you to possess your promised land. And of course, we understand the imagery from the time of the Exodus out of Egypt uh, of the Jewish people. Um, and how God led them to Mount Sinai, and then from Mount Sinai the plan was that they would go in and possess their Promised Land. And God says in in Corinthians that these uh, things were given as examples to us, uh, for us, for example, to enter our Promised Land and the kind of things that would actually stop us from entering our Promised Land. And First of all, I just want to give the big picture here, because the, when the Israel was in Egypt, that's a picture of of God's people in slavery. And of course, we were in slavery to the world, to sin, to Pharaoh, as it were, a picture of Satan. And we were in the kingdom of darkness. And so the first great act of God is that is what we call salvation, that God... Delivers, delivered us by his mighty power. As slaves, we couldn't save ourselves, but God did what we couldn't do, and by his mighty power and through the blood of the Passover lamb, God rescued us out of our Egypt. And it's interesting that he didn't immediately lead Israel into her promised land, because the promised land really represents the, the physical a manifestation of God's will for our life. Yes, it's a land flowing as milk and honey. God wants to bless you in every area of your life. He wants you to, to come to fulfillment in, 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 in all that he's calling you to do so that you're calling will be fulfilled. Whatever God's calling you to do, your mission in life will be fulfilled, and and all the, the abundant provisions. That's what God wants for you. But first of all, we have to learn the lesson of Mount Sinai. First of all, we have to learn the lesson of holiness. You see, God took Israel to Mount Sinai, and until they had learnt the key, the fundamental key to everything, they would not be able to enter their promised land. You see, God's uh, God wanted them to learn the lesson that God's presence is the most important thing. Um, When they went to Mount Sinai, they spent a year there in the presence of God. The Mount Sinai was really like a a temple. Uh, it, was a, it was a temple because God dwelt on the top of the mountain, and the glory of God co- covered them. And they were dwelling, as it were, in the presence of God. And when it was time for them to leave Mount Sinai, God moved into a mobile temple, which was the tabernacle, you see. But it was the same idea. Um, the Holy of Holies, the holy place and the outer court. And, and so they then were to walk and go into the promised land, but really it was the presence of God in their midst, dwelling in the tabernacle, that would lead them into their promised land. The presence of God is primary, and that's what we mean by holiness. And at Mount Sinai, he gave them much of the law, Leviticus, things like this, and they they were meant to learn how to worship God, uh, and how to come into his presence, to dedicate themselves to God. And and, the, and your holiness, by the way, is, is not your good behavior. Your, the holiness in your life is the presence of God. You see, the more you surrender to God and the more you ask God to fill you, the more his presence fills your soul. And that, his holiness, is the impartation of God's Holy Spirit in your life and the holiness of God separates you from the other things. You become satisfied with God's presence, and then the other things become secondary. And that's the principle that we learn in worship, that God is comes first. We worship God with all our heart, and then all the things that God wants to give us, by the way, they are not the all in all for us, because God's presence is the main thing. And so, When we learn that principle, then we are ready, when we value God's presence higher than his presence, spelled P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, his presence, his physical blessings in our life, when we value his presence more than the presence, then we are ready to enter into our promised land because we will stay under his Holy Spirit and he will lead us into the promised land. If our heart is covetous, that is, idolatrous that is we we want the things of this world what this world can offer the 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 lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh the pride of life then we our heart departs from the presence of god to pursue those things and so we lose the presence of god and we lose our ability to actually enter into our promised land so this was the first lesson to be learnt, and it agrees with matthew Um, chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, the key is, seek first the kingdom of God, or the reign of God over your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, the righteousness is God's right, his leading, and his power that flows through the Holy Spirit to you. So when you submit your heart to God, the Holy Spirit flows into your soul. To That's the spirit of righteousness to lead you in your life. And if you will do that, then he says, all these things, these outward things, will be added to you. So he's really saying, don't worry about the things and will I have enough money and all of that kind of stuff. He says, if you just put yourself first, let his Holy Spirit fill you, that spirit of righteousness, Remember he says, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he will be filled. So we come into God's presence, we want to honour God, we submit to God, and we, we desire and we receive his righteous spirit to flow into our life. And then as we obey him, it says, all these things, the will of God for your life will come to pass, and all these things will be added to you. I like to put it like this, there's the... The, the blesser, there's the blessing, and there's the blessings. Three things. First of all, the source, the blesser is God. He is the source of all good things. In fact, your life, your promised land is hidden in Christ in God. It's, it's in the spirit, it's in God. And God has already defined the boundaries of your inheritance. What his will is for your life has already been established before the foundation of the world, and it's in Christ. Jesus has purchased it for you. Every good thing that God wants to give you, it's purchased for you. It's in Christ. Praise God. He's the blesser. So if you want to enjoy the blessing, you first have to look to the blesser, seek the blesser, and believe and receive. He is the source of the life. And then the blessing... Is actually the life of God flowing into your soul through the Holy Spirit the grace of God that is the blessing that flows from the blesser hallelujah in the Holy Spirit and if you let that blessing flow in your life and in order to do that you have to obey God when he speaks to you you have to obey God then that blessing flows through you and the result of that blessing is blessings you know like healing and and you know provisions in your life and you know, all the things that God wants to do through you, that you're the fruit of your life. These things are the product of the blessing, but you only get the blessing if you put the blesser first, you see. If you go chasing after the blessings, they'll always evade you. That's called covetousness, where you put the things of the created world as more important to you than the creator. And then you're just an idolater if that's the case. See, often people, they are seeking God, but they're, they're idolatrous because they seek God, you know, but they're seeking God for what he can give them. So what's number one in their life is, is what God can do for them. And, and then they use God for that purpose, that he might bless them. I mean, there is some faith in there as well, but it's, it's idolatrous. We, you, we must seek God for himself. We must seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, what is your will for my life? I want to know you better. I want to be closer to you. And basically, when you get yourself aligned with God and you allow his blessing to flow into your heart, then that blessing will lead you into your promised land. You don't even know what your promised land is, many of us. We don't know what it is because we'll only know, we'll only know it by discovery. It's only as we submit to God and obey God that he will lead us step by step into our promised land. Well, I want to take some time to see what we can learn from from the Israelites in terms of entering the promised land. And the fundamental issue is covetousness versus putting God first. And we see that again and again, the Israelites fell into the sin of idolatry and covetousness grasping after the, thing, the visible things, instead of holding tight to God. And if you would just hold tight to God, He will give you the other things also. And in Exodus 32, of course, is the terrible incident of the golden calf. And, and this was uh, almost blew everything right from the start. And then we're going to look in Exodus 33 to see what happened next. God says to Moses, and this was a test for Moses, he says, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt to the land to which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is saying, okay, you go ahead, go into the promised land. I'll send my angel before you, verse 2. He says, but, verse 3, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way because you are a stiff-necked people. So God is testing Moses. He says, I'll tell you what, you go ahead into the promised land, and but I'm not going to go with you. You won't have my presence with you. Now, a lot of people, you know, if they were given that offer, well, I'll give you celebrity, I'll give you fame, I'll give you a big ministry, you know, I'll give you a, a lovely house and a, a lovely, um, you know, wife and you name it. But I won't be with you. A lot of people would take up that offer, wouldn't they? Because what they really want is the carnal things. People will seek God until they've got their house and their car or whatever. And then they forget God. Because they weren't really interested in God for himself in the first place. They just wanted the things. They're actually idolaters. They're covetous. And they don't qualify to enter the promised land. And Moses passed the test, by the way. Because Moses, he wanted the presence But what he really wanted was the presence of God. And so what we read next in the story in verse 7 all the way through to verse uh, 11, um, we find Moses just taking time in the presence of God, talking to God face to face, just dwelling in his presence, because that's what mattered to Moses most of all. He sought the presence of God. This is where everything starts. That's where your ministry starts. If you feel there's a call on your life, you've got to take time in the presence of God because your ministry comes out from the presence of God. It's hidden in Christ, in God. And in, in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, "'See, you say to me, bring up this people, But you haven't let me know who you will send with me. Moses is not happy, even though he's had clearance to go into the promised land. He says, um, he prays. He he says, um, God, he's basically praying, God, I don't want to go in without your presence. And, And God answers and says in verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's a beautiful promise. You see, Moses had put the presence of God first. And so God says, "Okay, my presence will go with you. That's the first thing. And I will give you rest. And that means you will come into the provision. You'll come into your promised land. The promised land was the land at rest, where they weren't homeless anymore. They had their home. They they come into a place of rest. And and so this, this is the great promise. God says, my presence will go with you and you will come into that rest, into the fulfillment of everything God has for you in your life, in outward manifestation. And then Moses reaffirms his heart in verse 15. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He says, I don't wanna go into the promised land without your presence. So Moses is establishing the principle that the presence of God is most important. You see, we, if we, we must worship God, and when God speaks to us, we obey God, that way we abide in his presence. And if we abide in his presence, then all these other things will be added to us. And God will make us fruitful, praise God. And so this is the fundamental, I would suggest to you, the, the fundamental key to possessing your promised land. I wanna to go to the New Testament now. By the way, Isaiah 1.19 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And what this is saying is, first of all, you've got to have a willing heart. You've got to have a submitted heart. You've got to have a heart that puts God first. That's the first key, to have a willing heart. You're willing to serve God. You're willing to obey God. It's having that heart that the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can produce that in you A heart that is dedicated to God. If you're willing, and secondly, he says, if you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So once your heart is submitted to God, you'll start hearing God and through his word, through his spirit. And as you obey God, which takes courage sometimes, then you will eat the good of the land. You'll enter into your promised land. Well, God has a promised land for you and it's in the spirit. And he's already ordained it. You can't change it, all right? If you, in your covetousness, go after something else because you don't believe that God knows the best for you, then you're you're not going to get anything. Um, But if you trust that God knows best and he's outlined a promised land for you and you are content with that, all right? That's the opposite of covetousness. You're content with whatever God has ordained for you And as David says in the Psalms, Lord, the boundaries of my inheritance have fallen in pleasant places. We got to believe that God has a wonderful future for you, a wonderful hope for you in this life, as well as in eternity. You have to believe that, and you have to be content. And you have to let God bring you into that step by step. It's his presence that will bring you into that step by step as you value his presence above all and don't let covetousness take over. The reason why the Israelites failed to enter in, first of all, by the way, is because of their repeated covetousness. They didn't honor the presence of God in their life, and so when it came to it, they didn't have the courage to obey God because they hadn't given their heart sufficiently to to God. All right, so Colossians 3.1 says this, "'If then you were raised with Christ, Praise God, we seek those things which are above. And the seeking of those things that are above includes God's, God himself, of course, but it also includes the righteousness of your life, the God's plan for your life, God's will for your life, your inheritance in Christ, God's promised land for your life that's in Christ. Seek that. Say, Lord, I want your will for my life. Bring it to pass. And then it says, Seek the things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, on your promised land that is in Christ. Not on things on the earth. In other words, not in covetousness saying, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have this to make my life meaningful. No, focus on God. For you died, it says, and your life, that's your promised land, the life that God wants you to have on this earth, your life, your ministry, is hidden with Christ in God. There it is. Your life, the life that God has ordained for you, is hidden in Christ in God. So how it's not meant to stay hidden, by the way. It's meant to come into manifestation. And it comes into manifestation as you trust in God, that his will is best. And as you obey him step by step in your life, he will bring you into your promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he kind of gives the clue for that in verse four, because he says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And, And what this is saying is that Christ is our life. So our life is hidden with Christ in God, but also Christ is our life. So as we let the life of Christ flow, as we obey him and submit to him, so that is going to bring our life into manifestation on the earth. Because he says when Christ actually does appear, then we will appear with him in glory. We will be glorified. What is in our spirit what God has for us will come into full glory. We will appear with him in glory. In other words, that which is God has for us will come into full manifestation. So when Christ who is our life appears, that will come into full manifestation. But Christ is your life now, moment by moment. As you walk with him, he will bring into manifestation, it's the same principle you see, he will bring into manifestation Praise God, uh, your promised land. But you can only do it as you walk with him. Well, we, let's go to Joshua chapter 1, where God gives Joshua the keys to possess the, his, the, the promised land. This is just after 40 years, they were given a second chance, and this time they're going to get it right. And Joshua is the same name as Jesus, by the way, in the Hebrew, Yeshua. <coughs> and, and so it's Jesus that leads us into the Promised Land, that's a picture of that. And so God says to Joshua in verse 2, um, Moses my servant is dead, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving them. Uh, now in verse 3, he says, the land that I have given you. So there's two aspects here. First of all, the land has been given. Actually, there's a sense in which, Your promised land has already been given to you. God's already got a plan for your life. You can't change it. And he's given it to you. In verse 3, he he says it was given when God made the covenant with Abraham. Then already that that land was legally given to Israel. But they didn't enjoy it in their experience. You see you have an inheritance in Christ, but you're only enjoying a part of it in your experience. So it has been given to you, but notice he says to Joshua, go over the Jordan to the land which I am giving to them. So that's present tense. So right now, (coughs) God is giving you your promised land. In other words, as God's presence is with you and as you walk with God, he is automatically bringing you into your promised land. And so when he says, go over the Jordan, as they obey him, he goes with them and his presence with them gives them the land, causes their enemies to flee. And he goes on and he says, everywhere you place the sole of your foot, verse 3, and tread upon I have given to you. So in other words, he's saying, don't be afraid. It's all. It all belongs to you legally. I will bring you in, but you must obey me. And wherever you put the sole of your foot, I will be with you, and that land will become yours. And as you obey God, you will come, as you value his presence and obey God, you will come into the experience of what he has for you. And... Um, that's his promise to you. He says, I'm, I'm giving the land to you. And then he tells them the key. Verse 5, he says, this is the foundational promise. The promise of his presence. Only God can bring you into your promised land. So first you must submit to God and obey God. He'll bring you in. But You submit to God by believing in God. What are you meant to believe? You're meant to believe that God is with you, that he's leading you day by day into your promised land. He says this in verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Why will the enemies flee before you? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's the promise of his presence. I will be with you and... I will not leave you nor forsake you. You have to embrace that promise. God is with me and God is leading me step by step into my promised land, praise God. And then he says in verse six and he, in the next four verses, he repeats the same three points. He says, first, be strong. Be strong in what? Be strong in faith. And he he will elaborate that in the future verses. Be strong in faith, in the promise of his presence. Trust in God. And when you trust in God's promise of his presence, of his grace with you, guess what? That presence of God, the spirit of God fills your heart and makes you strong. So you're strong in faith, but you're also made strong through faith. Praise God. And if you're strong in your heart now because you believe God's word, hallelujah, then he says, be of good courage, which means that's courage to obey. Courage is needed when you take action. Obey the word of God. And then he says, if you do that, you will divide to the people as an inheritance the promised land. You'll have good success. You'll possess your promised land. Then he says it again in verse 7. Only be strong. Be strong in faith and very courageous. And then he explains the courage. That you may observe to do all that the word of God says. Don't turn to the left or right. In other words, it's courage to obey. And then the result is that you may prosper wherever you go. In other words, it will come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Then he says it again, and this time, verse 8, he explains how to be strong. The book of the law, the word of God, will not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day, on, day and night, that you may observe to do the will of God all that's written and then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You will enter into your promised land and then he wraps up by saying have I not commanded you be strong, be strong in faith, be, let the presence of God fill your heart and be of good courage, courage to obey God when he speaks to you, to, to put your faith in action and do not be afraid, he says, or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In other words, if you will trust in him, if you'll obey him, God will be with you. He'll bring you into your promised land and you will enjoy that fullness. You'll come into your full inheritance, even in this life. Praise God. And then he ends up by saying in verse 11, we're going to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. God's giving it to us to possess, his presence is with us, but we have to possess it by our faith. Well, praise God, go and possess your promised land.